Spooky Souls. It's Marissa. And it's Kristen. And welcome to another episode of Dark Channel. So we have Kristen back. Tell us us about vacation. It was amazing. It was perfect. I love Mexico. I want to go back. I was fine with because we went for five days and I was fine. Like I miss my babies a lot, but it was still a lot of fun. I would go back like next year, but I need Need more time with my babies between that. <laughs> and you yeah. have, I know I felt so bad when you're like, I'm ready to go home. I want to see them. Ah, <laughs> oh, I just I'm not used to being away from them. And they're they're my life. We all know that. <laughs> yes. And it's it's hard. I always get like there's always two days on a trip that are like the hardest for me. It's always like the first day we get there. And then it's like the middle day, like where I know I'm, the vacation is coming to an end and I'm excited to see them, but also I have so many more days yet to be away from them, but <sighs> I don't want my trip to end. So it's like one of those weird things. Uh, <laughs> I know. <sighs> so I'm glad you had fun. You deserved it. Everyone deserves a little of them time and looks like you had an amazing time. It was lots of fun. And Blake's first vacation pretty much ever in his life was a success for Yay. So that was that was awesome. And it was it was exciting to see him as like act like such a little kid. Like he went in the Caribbean Sea and he was like trying to get seashells and he was like, I found one. It was so cute. He was like a little kid. That's the best. When you just like let your inner child run free. Oh my god, he was. He was doing it. It was so oh fun to God. see, though. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, Me too. We gotta go on our trip together soon, like all of us. Yeah, I know. He wants to go to. He was just telling me when he was here before Florida. Oh, I will go to Florida any day. Any. Month, I know. Anytime. I'm not a. I I'm not a huge fan, but that's probably because the last time I went, we stayed with my friends, and maybe it would have been a little different if we had our own place. But I literally look at houses once a week down in Florida <laughs> to buy and it's like where I'm looking at like Cape Coral is actually like quite affordable like okay but you have to have like something back here that you'll come back to I know that's the thing I don't think I can afford two houses well I can't afford to live without my Mari so <laughs> I we won't move yet I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice down there yeah but you have a husky and a husky shepherd and they're not gonna like the no snow no and I literally <laughs> would have so much anxiety that like a snake would get them or like they would Ooh, go or, like, even what if <laughs> yeah or an alligator or crocodile I don't know whatever the fuck lives down there or <laughs> or what if like we live like because I want to live by the ocean so like in Cape Coral there's a bunch of like canals it's like mix of freshwater and seawater. Like what if a shark's down there? Cause sharks can go in there and my dogs get excited and jump in and get eaten. Uh, I could no- see Nova. Like what's yeah. that thing? I need to attack it. Or yeah. Archie, like his squirrel story this morning. Oh my God. Is that a squirrel? Yeah. He, he brought me a dead frozen squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Not hey, a I found a new toy. He probably gets that from when he comes to auntie's house and she's got like all these looking animal or toys for my demons yeah. <laughs> he's probably so confused probably <laughs> well <laughs> and then nova like three hours later the, the must frost must be coming up so it's real muddy in our backyard and she i must have let her up for too long and she got bored so she got a bath so. oh no Ugh, that is the one bad part when it gets warmer here yes that, the mud. i noticed that today too and both dogs came in it was all 
they luckily because you know they go through the basement so it's not that bad like my basement's mm-hmm. not finished so it's whatever but like yours come right into the house and right into the kitchen yeah so yeah. I had to lock Archer up and then get the bath running and <laughs> oh, no. pick up Nova and I, she's so heavy she's like 60 some pounds and then I'm like know. carrying her and her paws are like sticking straight on and she's like what the fuck mom <laughs> she's probably so confused oh, poor so, baby so sassy so we hope that you guys are having a good week i go back to work tomorrow which is thursday depending when you Ew. listen to this so my two and a half weeks off has come to an end hmm. that's it's always okay. a bummer too i work for a week and a half and then i'm off another week <laughs> well there you go that's so I, a good way anyway so and that's when i go on my trips and then it'll just be Kristen. so yeah yeah i think i'm gonna have I, well, I, I think I know who I'm going to have, but I don't want to announce it quite yet because I'm stuck between, I'm stuck between two people. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. You will have plenty of time because as we're going to dive into this two-parter, it's a part two of part three. Wait, Mm -hmm. no, two, second part of a (laughs) three-parter. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that. (laughs) Yeah. So I just, I just couldn't, I I didn't want to shrink it. Why? Like none of you guys care anyways. You're gonna listen no matter what. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we're gonna do what we want. So this is what I wanted to do. <laughs> well, right. And it's such an in-depth case. Oh my so god. You can't cut anything short with this one. No, you, you really can't. And I didn't want to. So are you ready for me to dive in? Do we have any announcements? No. Good. I don't think so. Oh, Blake wanted to shout out because I spilled my coffee earlier this morning. Well, not this morning when I came back from lunch. And I was like, having a rough day as it was and I cried like I just like had a mental breakdown because it was just a lot but then he wanted me to give him a shout out because he brought me coffee when he got done with the work (laughs) so there's his shout out well he's not gonna get a shout out for me because he didn't bring me anything so rude 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 he has to see that you're home and he drives right past your house yeah, like. he drives past my house <laughs> my car's in the driveway next time yeah. I want a rente ice uh sea salt caramel cold brew oh geez he just went to quick trip but I mean oh that, he'll make an <laughs> exception for you that's the kind of guy he is yeah. <laughs> see how I turn right. it Yes, this that was the only game. announcement so we're, well, we're good like you're a sweetheart that's very nice I love it um okay so let's just kind of jump on in so I've been really most of my information I still keep getting from that Hulu series and like I said I will actually tag it tag it at the very end um along with all my sources that way everything's in one section and not split up against three episodes um so we're kind of gonna break everything down and just Starting from like Christmas Day and the 26th of December of 1996, those are our two main highlight focuses. And we're going to kind of go into the police investigation here. So, with no sign of John Bonet, the police went want the Ramseys to start retracing the last 24 hours. Um, so, in my previous episode, we kind of went through the first 24 hours of the case, basically from Christmas morning to um, December 26th when John Bonet was found. So that was the first episode. So now the police, they really want the Ramseys to recount their last 24 hours. So as discussed, they had Christmas during the day. Then they went to the whites, 
um, at around 4.30 p.m. and returned about 10 when they got home. Burke went to bed, John Bonet was carried to bed, and nothing to report out of the normal from their Ramses. So Patsy wakes up at 5 a.m. She goes, goes down the back set of stairs where she finds three pages um, of a handwritten ransom note. And she has John check on the children, and that is when John Bonet was noted missing. 911 was called, as well as family and friends. So they all get to the home, police, family, friends, bunch of people, and they're waiting for this promised phone call for direction. Well, 10 o'clock comes, no call came. So Detective Linda Arndt was the only officer left at home. So the call came. The rest of the detectives, um, Detective Whitston, he was kind of the lead detective on this case. Him and some of the, like, the FBI and police, they act, or they, him and the police left to go meet the FBI, I'm sorry, at the station. So they left Linda Arndt, who was kind of a fairly new detective with absolutely no homicide experience, no missing children experience, nothing. They left her there alone in the home with all the family and friends roaming around this house. Mm, that mm. sounds like a wonderful plan. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> John is becoming very anxious. Um, so Linda, Detective Arndt told them, why don't you just go search the house top to bottom? So like I mentioned again in the first part, Fleet White and John Ramsey began searching and they started in a room that John referred to as the wine cellar in the basement. So he walks in and Horror finally finds his daughter. She's deceased, duct tape on her mouth. She has the white blanket draped over her, cord around her neck and wrist. John grabs her, removes the tape and rushes her upstairs. Now, when she gets when he gets her upstairs, Patsy, you know, throws herself on JonBenet, absolutely devastatingly heartbroken. And this is when Detective Art calls Detective Whitson to return to the home along with the other police, as this now has turned into a murder scene. So the on-call officers return to the home um, to start the murder investigation. So upon the start of it, they came across, because obviously they're going to start, okay, where the hell was she found? Let's start down there. So they came across um, a garage that was made out of a paintbrush, one of Patsy's paintbrushes specifically. So for those that don't know what a garrote is, and I didn't until I really started getting into true crime. So it's a garrote is kind of used to take um, you. It's like a stick or a long object that's solid and you can use it to provide leverage into tightening around something. So tightening around someone's neck specifically. Um, so that was used to tighten the cord around John Bonet's neck. Mm, yeah, I know. It's just pretty horrific to like think about like having, ugh, I don't know, it's just so intimate. Um, so the Ramseys are insistent that a intruder entered their home and they the intruder got a hold of John Bonet and committed this crime. But there's no initial evidence that they can find regarding a break-in or even footprints that they're finding, no Jimmy locks, no broken windows. They don't know any of this at first, okay? I want you to remember this. They do not see any of this at first, okay? There's no signs of a struggle in John Bonet's bedroom either. Absolutely nothing. You would think like if she was maybe kidnapped from her room, like she's gonna wake up, maybe she'd kick the nightstand or I don't know, the room would just look a little bit more of a disarray. And there was nothing of that. So the first suspects obviously become the parents because who else was in the home with them? For sure, the parents. Mm -hmm. um, and this, you know, the police 
we're truly looking at them through a lens of, oh my God, this is horrible. I feel so bad for them, but we got to kind of treat them as suspects. But things severely changed within when within a few hours of finding John Bonet's body, John was overheard making travel arrangements with his pilot to go to Atlanta to take his family to Atlanta that night. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> shockingly, the police are like, what? <laughs> you can't fucking leave Colorado. No, you can't. Not in the middle of this investigation. Okay. Oh. All right. <laughs> They're like, you can't leave Boulder. Your daughter was just found murdered. Like, sorry, you cannot go to Atlanta. And the Ramses were like, oh, okay. But like, I I just don't understand how that's even a, a thought. A thought. Like, like, I don't, I don't know. They did have another home in Atlanta, but wouldn't you want to like wait uh, yeah wait and see what's going on with this whole thing before you try to make any because they should realize that that just looks fishy like yeah why beyond fishy so this obviously is very stunning the police have to explain the Ramses have to stay and they agree but they begin to flat out refuse to sit for a formal interview unless they can do it together pat pat Mm -hmm. Patsy, oh my God, I just stuttered. Patsy and John were just like, no, we're not going to do any interrogation interviews, nothing unless we can do it together. So the police are like, no, we want you to separate. Separate. Yeah, we want to hear separate statements and then compare to kind of assess the trustworthiness of things and to see your perspective of how the day or evening unfolded. Um, They refused. So then police are like, dude like okay yeah we're not doing that we're not gonna play these games so then they're like well can we interview Burke and they're like no which I kind of understand if it was my young child I think Burke was like maybe eight or nine I don't know how I feel about police interrogating them um without if you like but if my daughter was murdered and I truly had nothing to fucking do with it please interview him and me and my husband all exactly exactly yeah so i i feel a little iffy about it um yeah i can see where they were a little nervous but if they had nothing to do with anything why why all the walls right so yeah so i mean usually families who have nothing to do with anything want to be the most helpful as possible and cause the least resistance and get the light off of them as soon as possible and rule them out so they can continue to help finding the real killer Mm -hmm. so um, yeah. Also within hours of John Bonet's body being found, legal counsel was secured for each parent separately. They didn't get just one lawyer for the both of them. They each got separate lawyers. That so this is like how to look suspicious 101. Right yeah. Like, yeah. So this and even like I, I understand the fact of getting a lawyer if you're like absolutely as a suspect, but why separate? That makes I don't no- know. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Okay. Super weird. Super weird. So as you can tell, probably national media is eating this fucking story up. It is just blowing up. And Diane Dimon, she was one of the criminal journalists that started to cover the story from the moment it broke. And she really stuck on the case until she, I guess, still actually does do new updates and articles on this case so she really knows it from the media side of this case well so I just wanted to I really honed into what she had to say and 
She noticed that there are so many journalists and media outside the home, as you can probably imagine, camping everywhere, going everywhere, walking around everywhere. Um, but nobody wanted to talk. Neighbors didn't talk. Shopkeepers didn't talk. Nobody talked, which is kind of weird because you feel like people, I mean, anybody will say anything first chance in the spotlight. But it kind of just showed how powerful this family was that no one said anything. And it wasn't really clear if no one said anything because they were scared or what, but they just didn't say anything. Um, and some of the friends who did speak to the police and media were basically kicked out of the Ramsey circle. Um, yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I never knew that part of this case. No, That's really. Okay. <laughs> during their the media's initial digging, talking to them, they found more and more about the pageants. So that's where, you know, the JonBenet's pageant history really kind of comes to the forefront of this case. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's the pageant girl. They saw that Patsy was living vicariously through her daughter and the media kind of ate her alive. Um, Cause a lot of people saw her as like sexualizing JonBenet and it really just added some juice and drama to this case. So the media was just having fun. Um, as fucked up as it is, they were. So with all this starting to get negative press so prevalent within the first week, they hired a media consultant um, and they had their first interview, not with, in, not with investigators, not with a detective, not with police officers, nope, with a national TV person. Makes sense. Makes yep. lots of sense. Yep. So like I watched the interview oh, and I watched yeah. it like three times and I just kept staring and I kept trying to think like, I don't have kids, so I can't correctly state I would know what this would feel like. Cause I don't, I pray to God, I never know what that feels like, even after I'm kids. You know what I mean? Hmm. But I just found it really weird. Like she, they just seemed very, I don't know, the word stoic comes to mind. Um, it kind of reminded me of the interview with Madeline McCain. Is that what her name is? Do you know what I'm talking about? The girl that went missing on like the resort with her parents from England. I think it's Madeline McCain. Oh, it sounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not super, super knowledgeable about it, that one though. It just seemed weird. It just seemed mm. very, very practiced. Mm, uh, like rehearsed. Rehearsed. Kind of? Yeah. Mm, and yeah. It also looked very numb, which I can imagine they probably are numb. Their daughter did die. So I, I feel very caught, like, how do I really feel about it? Um, but it's definitely something you should watch for yourself. And if you watch the series, it's in there. That's where I watched it. Um, but it's quite interesting. Hmm. Truly, the public, after they initially saw this, they felt the same way. And a lot of them thought this did not do any good for the Ramseys in at all going on TV and not talking to the investigators. And like, they were pissed. The investigators are not cool. So I would be pissed too if I was an investigator. Like, yeah, they're like, I have a little bit of that criminal, just a little bit of the background. And mm -hmm. I just, you don't lie. Like it's, they're going to um, find shit out. Yeah. And, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. So while all this is going on, um, within like this time frame, the autopsy is being performed and results are coming to light. So I actually have the initial page of the autopsy findings that kind of lay it out very quickly. So I'm going to read it and then kind of explain what the cause of death was. 
So autopsy's findings were a ligature strangulation. There was a circumferential ligature with associated ligature furrow of the neck. So basically just really deep strangulation of the neck, abrasion and petechial hemorrhaging of the neck, petechial hemorrhaging conjunctival surfaces of eyes and skin of face. So a lot of times when you are strangled, um, little blood vessels kind of burst on your face and your eyes and it causes little red bumps um, that you kind of see and that's called petechia. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So then there was cranial cerebral injuries. Um, So she had a skull contusion, a linear commuted fracture of the right side of skull, linear pattern of contusions of right cerebral hemisphere, subarachnoid, sorry, and subdural hemorrhage, um, which is just the layers kind of protecting the brain. And then she had um, contusions of the tips of the temporal, temporal lobes. She also had an abrasion on her right cheek, abrasion slash contusion of anterior right shoulder, abrasion of left lower back and posterior left leg, abrasion and vascular congestions, um, trigger warning for any sexual assault. So she had vaginal sexual assault kind of suggesting, um, and ligature of her right wrist. So she was hit with a heavy object. They can pretty, they can concur that. Um, and it fractured her skull causing brain swelling, which means she was still alive. So she got hit in the head. It knocked her, it probably knocked her out. Um, maybe even to the point where someone may accidentally think she's dead, but she was in fact alive. And then she was strangled. And that is the official cause of death. In addition, there are scratches all over her body. And she did have drops of blood in her underwear. This is indicative of sexual assault. Now, so far, they haven't come out and said that she was officially sexually assaulted. But it is indicative. So they can't rule it out. So the most puzzling piece of evidence in the autopsy, though, wasn't what they found on the outside of her body. It was what they found on the inside. They found pineapple in her stomach, which ends up being like, it just makes you question everything about this case. So the pineapple was undigested. So food digests rather quickly as we eat it. It goes in our stomach, goes through our small intestines, into the big colon, and then out our butt. Okay. Hers was like undigested. It was still in the stomach which is suggestive that she ate it very recently prior to her death. Um, And the Ramses will not own up to how she got pineapple. No one fed it to her. No one saw her eating it. It wasn't at the White's Christmas party. No one has any idea. But the police did note a half-eaten bowl of pineapple on the table. But now, still, how did she get this pineapple? If that's hers, how did they get it? So they did process the bowl for fingerprints. And of course they got patsies. Now, if you process the bowls in my kitchen, they're going to have my fingerprints all over them too. You know what I mean? They're, they're my bowls. I'm the one who does the dishes. Like, so that Mm -hmm. it's, but they also had Burks. Now it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, your prints are on it, but it's also your bowl. Your prints are good. You know, it's one of those things where, okay, we do have those, but, um, So I lost my place. 
But police find this and they run with it. They're like, this is significant to the Ramsey's covering this and they're in the involvement with her death. So the Ramsey's um, note is very important to this case as it was, oh, so the ransom note, sorry. <laughs> I typed this so fast. <laughs> I had nothing spelled correctly. Like literally every word's covered with a red, little red line. <laughs> so the ransom note is very important to the case. Um, so it was placed on the back stairs. So I don't even have a staircase in my house. I can't imagine having two. But suggesting whoever did this knows their routine and their house. You know what I mean? Why would you right. place a note there hoping it would be found right away? Why not place it on the counter in the kitchen, on right. the kitchen table, or John Benet's bedroom? Somewhere like, you know they're going to be, for like, sure. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like the most obvious place to do it is to place it in her bedroom on her bed. Right. I don't know. Doesn't that just like, I don't know. I would say either that or the kitchen table would be, I yeah. guess for, I thought it was on the kitchen table this whole, all my life. No, <laughs> so, it was, it that's was on, interesting. Yeah. It's found on the staircase. Um, and another thing about the note is this two and a half pages long. It's very long, very detailed. They're this faction and they want to behead her if they do this. So they're going to kill her and not give the body if they do this. It just, it's very, it's just a lot. And really they didn't understand why. So now the amount they're asking for also in this ransom note, which is $118,000, is actually a very small amount compared to other demands police have, you know, received in the past in such similar situations. Now, like I mentioned in the last episode, John is worth $6.4 million. Why yeah, the that's a lot of money. Yeah, so why, why ask for so little? Exactly. Why ask for $118,000? Like, that's a lot of money, but when you could ask for millions? And it, it's so specific, too. Like, what a weird, not like $120,000 or 150000 or something like that. $118,000. Exactly. And that, coincidentally, is the exact amount John received as a bonus that year. Besides, all right, yeah, yeah. So besides Patsy, who else would know that? I mean, like, I don't know. Like, we don't talk a lot. Friends don't talk about money a lot. Like, every it takes a certain kind of friendship to sit there and talk about finances together. Because mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. So, like, why would you be like, yeah, I got a hundred and eighteen hundred thousand dollar bonus? We'll rub it in your face. That's weird. I mean, unless you're that rich that you can just blurt that shit out. I don't have that problem. So yeah, I don't, I don't either. I could, I could wish talk. I did. I wish I did. <laughs> um, so the further examination of this paper ransom note, whatever reveals very much, very much more, <laughs> much more <laughs> either way. So it reveals way more of a link to the Ramses than I think they were expecting and especially Patsy so they find the exact pen that this ransom note was written with in the Patsy's home or in Ra- the Ramsey home in the Patsy's <laughs> home <laughs> in the in the Ramsey's home and they found that the pad it was written on specifically was Patsy's notepad that she wrote on all the time mm, okay. so 
the investigation is now turning. Please see this note as being written after the murder and as a form of staging the scene to look like something that did not happen. So they're starting to put together this theory, okay? They're seeing the evidence, they're putting it together. Now convinced that one of the Ramseys wrote this note, they begin comparing their handwriting. So right away in the beginning of the investigation, they had their Ramseys do a bunch of handwriting analysis, writing bullshit. So with the note being so long, they had a ton of information to study and compare to. Um, They found that the note goes on in the beginning to show a change of handwriting. So basically the notes handwriting in the first couple sentences and paragraphs goes one way and the handwriting expert notes that as it goes on, it slowly becomes another's handwriting, um, which they see as showing the natural way the writer writes. So they kind of say, you know, when you're trying to write differently, you may be able to for a paragraph or two, but as you keep writing, your writing, your natural writing is going to come out. So the handwriting expert is Sina Wong that I'm kind of referring to. So she has studied the writing samples herself um, and she was able to rule out John very quickly. But when she compares Patsy's writing, it's a little different. So she notes a ton of similarities, such as like the letter E and the letter C. Um, So she notes like in the letter C, um, unlike the round part of C, it compresses like towards the middle bottom part. She also notes that the letter Q looks like the number eight. And she found over 200 similarities Hmm. in the ransom handwriting that matches Patsy's. So she says she feels that Patsy wrote the note, no doubt about it, but they can't state it for certain. So it's kind of one of those things where they're like, yeah, we think she did it but we don't really have the proof. Like we do and we don't. That's what sucks about it. Yes. So they just don't know how or why John Bonet was killed. But as they begin talking with family friends, they do find maybe a clue. So apparently John Bonet had been wetting the bed. Um, she's six years old. She'd been wetting the bed. And from what they gathered, this was almost a nightly routine, nightly routine. And it was a huge issue for Patsy. Patsy was getting more and more frustrated about it and causing a lot of stress. Now, regular bedwetting can mean many things. It can depression, loneliness, anxiety, can also mean sexual abuse. And the autopsy did show evidence of a sexual assault. So the police for a hot minute were thinking, is this a chronic thing? Did someone killed John Bonet because they were scared, you know, horrible secret was going to get out. But the pediatrician came forward rather quickly and he stated he's seen John Bonet on many occasions regarding this bedwetting and states there was no evidence to support sexual assault. So um usually sex- God for that. Yeah. Oh my God, right. That would have just made this case a thousand times worse. So um they didn't note any sexual assault. Um but then they began wondering was this enough motive for murder? Please kind of start piecing together a scenario now, okay? They're like, okay, John Bonet. They go to bed. It's 10, 1030. In the middle of the night, John Bonet wakes up Patsy because she wet the bed. Patsy's just so pissed. Like, she wet the bed again. It's been a long day. Um, and she hit John Bonet. But she hit her too hard and didn't realize it until after John Bonet collapsed she panicked and she came up with 
a stage, a plan to stage a murder or a kidnapping to misdirect the police. And John, of course, found out and agreed to help protect his wife at all costs. Now, it seems a little out there, but it also seems like it could fit. Right. You know, it's like. I think anything's possible with this freaking case. For sure. For sure. So finally, it's April of 1997. Now, John Bonet was murdered in December 26th of 1996. So this is like four months later. The Ramseys finally agreed to talk separately. Hmm. About time. About time, finally, right? For your child's murder case, whatever. That that does really bother me. Like, me I would do anything and everything, but whatever. But so right away, Patsy was kind of told, like, you know, this evidence is kind of showing that you have a link to her murder and Patsy lost it and was like get back to the drawing board like we have nothing to do with it John and I never have anything to do with it we'll never have anything to do with it so they kind of explained the working theory that I just went over and um they're like okay so let's start recounting your actions oops I have scrolled down way too far and now I just lost my spot um okay start recounting your actions from christmas morning onwards so patsy ramsey states she was um you know they like i said in the beginning they went to the party blah 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 john bonnet blah 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 so let's get to the 26th at about um 5 a.m so patsy says that she put the clothing she had on the night before back on the morning of the murder so she woke up she said her clothing were in the bathroom just hanging over the bathtub and she just put them back on to go downstairs to get coffee or whatever she was doing in the morning. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I have no problem putting on a pair of sweatpants over and over. Like I wore the same sweatpants for the past two days. Cause I just like sat at home all day. So I'm like, what the fuck? And I don't wear them to bed. I wear spanks to bed. So I'm like, okay, like I could see that. Like I do the same thing. I get out. I put my sweatpants on over my spanks. Okay. But she put on velvet dress pants. You would not see me in the morning waking up putting on velvet fucking dress pants to go have coffee. And not only that, Patsy and John and John are loaded. They have plenty of money to afford other clothing. Right, exactly. And, you know, she's, Patsy's also just a certain type of woman. She's very, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Like she, she just wouldn't do that. She wouldn't rewear the same clothes. She would have pajamas on or she'd put new clothes or a bathrobe on or, um a night gown or something right so the police right away like in the interview they actually called her out like they're like that's super weird she's like yeah but i put on clean underwear they're like okay okay so they're like are you sure you even went to bed are you sure you even took the clothes off did you actually just stay up all night in the same clothes yeah that's yeah and i'm like yep (laughs) Yep. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. So then Patsy begins getting pissed and obviously, and, um, the police begin asking her about the bowl of pineapple. She's like, yeah, yeah. I know my fingerprints were found on it. And they're like, well, how did she get the pineapple? And they're, she's like, I don't know. They're like, well, your fingerprints are on it. Yeah, I know. Well, how did this happen? I don't know. I can't recall. I don't know what you're talking about. You need to figure out the evidence to show you. And they're like, it's showing us this. She's like, no, it's not. 
So no investigators go at her with the most damning piece of evidence showing that the ransom note was heavily linked to her, such as being written on her pad. The writing has 200 similarities to her. And she's like, I didn't do it. I don't know. Maybe it's because a woman wrote it. And her saying that is exactly what John said when they questioned John about the note. He's like, mate, I don't think Patsy wrote it. I think a woman wrote it. That's why it looks like that. So right there, they were like, okay, this is, you guys have had conversations. This is rehearsed. This is talked about. You guys aren't coming in here to clear anything up. So there's 22 hours of questioning, but the investigation didn't move an inch. No one cracked. No one budged. Everything stayed the same. So the next move the Ramseys did is they actually started to throw everyone and anyone under the bus to protect themselves to kind of be like, oh, it wasn't us, but excuse me, take a look at these people. So John actually suggested that Priscilla White, now Priscilla White is a wife of Fleet. Fleet and Priscilla hosted the Christmas Day party and Fleet and John are the one who found John Bonet. So Priscilla White, they're like, check her out. She's always been jealous, yada, yada. And police are like, no, we cleared them very early on. And the Ramseys kind of pointed like, look at our maid, look at this person, look at this person. And they were, everyone was cleared. So the circle of friends started telling each other, like, don't fucking talk to anybody. Just shut your mouth. Like the Ramseys are being crazy. Um, Right. And then they're suspicious as fuck. Yeah, they're sus <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> and any <sighs> friends who did talk, like I said, were pretty much cut off. So <sighs> guess what happened now? <sighs> they went on TV again. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. So they went back on TV and this time they placed up a hundred thousand dollar reward for any info leading to the arrest of the killer. So they're not going to miss that money. No. And the (laughs) Ramses are like the real killers out there. Like we need to find them, help us find our baby's killer. Well, then the police see this and literally within days hold a press conference stating, you know, the Ramses do remain at the top of our suspect list. And we see them as being significant in closing this case. basically (laughs) so the media is like what the fuck so media is a huge element in this case um as one corner you have the police stating we think the ramses have way more in this than what they're letting show and then the ramses leveraging the other side the media being like there's reward find our baby's killer blah 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 so the media begins making their own judgment and as you know Media is horrible. People are mean. And a lot of stuff was pointing badly at Patsy, um, such as the grot being made from her paintbrush. Like I said, the the ransom note, fingerprints on the bowl, wearing the same fucking clothes. So police really begin to hyper-focus on her being the murderer. And the only other person in the house besides her was John or I'm sorry, besides her was John and John, they don't think John did it, but they think John may have helped. Who else was in the home though? Burke. Mm -hmm. So then they start kind of looking at Burke. 
birth. This is the firstborn child of Patsy and John. Like I said, John had previous children, but this is John and Patsy's first child. And he was the apple of their eye. Um, but then he had a little sister come in the picture and she's pretty and they start doing pageants and she really starts to get a lot of the attention. So, um, you know, Burke had a little jealousy and Bark was prone to emotional outbursts towards his sister. In fact, he even gave her a scar on her left cheek when he hit her with a golf club. <laughs> Which I mean. Sounds, I mean, I know. It sounds like, oh my God, what a horrible child. But like it does, but I could see my brother doing Oh that my God. <laughs> I beat the shit out of my brother with hairbrushes and remotes. Like right. That's I, why it, that's why I had to giggle. I yeah. like. If I had, I, I could picture it. Oh, I would have beat the fuck out of my brother with a golf club if I had one. <laughs> I think my parents didn't golf. Like, so <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, what a horrible child. And then I'm like, Marissa, you and your brother practice WWE 24 7. Right, <laughs> exactly. Like, so I don't know. I don't know. Take that with what you got on it. Um, so now the theory started coming out that Burke may have hit her um so now if burke had hit her his parents would have done anything to protect their only living child especially since john benet is now going to be john's second lost daughter because like i stated in the last episode i think her name was elizabeth she died previously from a car accident at the age of 19 so john's going to do whatever he can for his family he's he's not going to lose another child so of course a parent would do anything for their child then um and the police continue to wonder at the time if he knew anything about it. So finally, after a year and a half after JonBenet's murder, they get to interview Burke. Now, some of the questions that were being asked clearly made Burke uncomfortable. Burke is about 10 at this point, nine or 10. At one point, Burke went into a fetal position and covered his body with like his, his hands with his face or his face with his hands. <laughs> his hands with his face. His hands with his face. Okay. Um, <laughs> And along with that, he would also answer the questions in quite a similar way to Patsy, such as, I do not recall. Now, mm. that's a weird For word. a 10-year-old, that's a weird yeah. word to answer. So it seemed very coach, but it didn't seem deceptive to the police. Um, they really just thought he was awkward. There's a lot of awkwardness. And, you know, if anything, he they don't believe he had anything to do with it. At most, they thought, okay, well, maybe you know something, and that's why you're really phoning and, you know, curling into that fetal position is you don't want to say something because, you know, your parents will go away. So they did clear him, but they do still question that he probably knows more. Right. So it's a year and a half. She ain't going nowhere. Okay. So Bo, I'm going to say his name wrong. Bo Deedle? Deedle? He's a previous, he was like a New York um, homicide investigator, but now he was coming in as a private investigator and he was brought in by the National Inquiry to go in and see how the investigation is going. Alex Hunter is the district attorney at the time, and he was under a lot of pressure to get this case closed because it was so high profile. And Mm -hmm. Alex Hunter felt he could not charge the Ramsey for number one, Everything from the start of the case was compromised. Literally from the start of the case, everything went wrong. 
from the beginning, there's family and friends, police going through that house with absolutely no concern for protecting the integrity. Um, like I said, only her room was corned off. I need to just take a sip of water. Um, ASMR. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so only her room was cordoned off. Um, there was no control from the start. Like Detective Bob Whitston, who was the detective on the case from the start, he does state the biggest mistake was letting everyone into that house and not kicking them fucking out. Patsy and her friends went in the kitchen and cleaned. This is where the alleged kidnapper wrote the note. They didn't bother sectioning this off. They let them clean the kitchen. There goes everything. Gone by. They left Detective Arndt alone, again, with no one else, and stated they regret this, but they were shorthanded due to the holiday. So they put an unexperienced detective in and sent John, who sent John to go find things out of the norm in the home. It's literally no excuse on the police's part, no. and it's really not. I, okay. Okay. Like, come on, guys. But like, mm-hmm. literally, it's your job. Like, they really fucked this case. So, I don't know. Reminds me of that, like, um, TikTok. I've never heard so many wrong things, one after another after another. <laughs> yeah. Basically it. Like, For real. <sighs> so, then John finds his daughter in the cellar. He removes the body from its position, contaminates that entire area, rips the tape off her mouth, which I would do the same, not hating on him. I would rip off tape off my baby's mouth too. Contaminates that. But you wouldn't be moving the baby's body. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't know. I hope the police would do their job so I wouldn't accidentally ruin something. That's a good point. I, that is why police should do their job. So parents don't accidentally do this. So, you know, John doesn't bring John Bonet body upstairs. Like he did puts her under the tree and then Patsy throws herself onto John Bonet as a horrified mother would. And then later, you know, after some crying, they ended up covering the body with a sheet. So there's so much wrong. <laughs> like literally they can't test anything. Nothing, because everything was contaminated. They can't state that beyond a reasonable doubt, because that's what they need. There has to be zero doubt in their mind that this is okay. They can't test it. Everything's out the window. Boulder police were not prepared for this. They only get two to three homicides a year, maybe. Thank God, which is a good thing. Homicides are horrible. Don't be killing people. But they just weren't experienced. Right. So in March of 1997... Hunter Alex did get brought in by in as a detective with homicide experience. I'm sorry. I read that totally fucking wrong. Dyslexic <laughs> as fuck. Okay. <laughs> Just give me a break. <laughs> in March of 1997, Alex Hunter brought in a detective because Alex Hunter is the DA. He brought in a detective with homicide experience. He brought in detective Lou Smith. So Smith had a 30-year career with a 100% conviction rate. So, he, you know, he just has a record of kind of showing, like, he sets out to find the evidence and let the evidence put the intruder away or the killer or the perpetrator. So he has a good job history, basically. So Smith set out to work, and he worked hard on this from the beginning. Um, 
So from the start, he believed police missed so much fucking clearly. Um, from looking at the photos. So remember, this is March. So this is three months later, probably four months later by the time he gets into things. He only had photos to go off of. So he's reviewing the photos and right away found a broken window in the basement. Now it was one of those windows, like the windows I have in my basement, you have them too. Cause you're, it's just mm-hmm. a regular basement window. It's not like an egress window or anything. So it was broken. And he's like, well, look at this. There's a broken window. John Ramsey's like, yeah, I broke that window myself. I got locked out. Just never replaced it. Well, police initially thought, well, that window's too small to fit anyone through. So Smith goes to the house, records himself crawling in and out of that window. Hmm. Hmm. So, so people can get in it. <laughs> interesting. Weird. Um, Weird so how that works. Disproves that in literally probably 20 seconds. Um, in addition, he also found a suitcase up against the window. Now, he questioned it and family, the housekeeper, everybody was like, that suitcase isn't supposed to be down there. Like, that's not where the suitcase usually is. But yet there it was. He also found a partial footprint in the cement. Now, you remember when we started this, I said, this is all the stuff police couldn't find. Well, then mm-hmm. here's all the stuff Smith found in like a matter of moments. He and found- these are all just a picture, right? Yeah. Well, I think they have the basement still corned off, maybe. But I, I'm not sure because they ended up making a casting or like picking up the print. Like, I don't know how they pick up prints from CSI. I don't know. They, they they were able to like get the print like actually stamped out so i'm wondering if they like had it corned off since they found her body well i know they <laughs> did they corned it off but i think when he got in he was able to actually go into the basement where she was found the wine cellar okay and he found a footprint and the footprint came from a high-tech boot brand now obviously no one inside the house owns up to owning a high-tech boot brand but police have high-tech boots usually. So that is one thing where I'm like, I wonder if that's cross-contamination. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. All they can say for sure is that print came from someone who does not live in that house. Right. So there's there's so something there's that, anyway. There's that they found. <laughs> yeah, there's something. So he also found more evidence in the autopsy report that there was two sets of abrasions. So I mentioned a ton of abrasions. Um but the two specifics were on her back and on her face. Now, these abrasions appear to look like a stun gun. Hmm. So, like, almost like a snake bite, like the two points. Mm-hmm. So, what the fuck? They're like, he's like, this This looks like a damn stun gun, guys. And they're like, oh, sure shit. And the Ramses are like, we don't have a stun gun. Um. So... Where did this come from? So with Smith looking at all this new evidence, it is now showing someone came from outside of that home, got in and killed John Bonet. So it was just yeah, like I whew. I, I don't even, yeah. I'm yeah. kind of like speechless. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's where I'm gonna leave. I don't know. That's where I'm Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you right now. I know. So that's where I'm going to leave you. You can sit there. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard that part of it. Like I knew yeah. there was more evidence that came up, but I don't know that I knew that part. So no. not. Uh, it started uh. making me rethink everything I thought. So I was like, oh my god. Same. So yeah. Same. Huh. 
So you have to come back next week um, for us to go through it. Okay. That's so far away, though. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Wow. Yeah, that really, like, I thought I, I don't, I don't know who I thought did it, but I didn't think, I don't, I don't want to. Never mind. <laughs> I have a theory. Now, any theories that regard people still alive, we need to say, I, you, you just got to be careful with your wording. You yeah. don't get sued. We don't want to get sued. <laughs> so we, we can have careful. opinions, people. Opinions. Please, please don't come at us. We never claim to know everything. No, and we have certain things that we think. And not slandering people either. Yeah, exactly. We're we're just saying what the evidence made us think for a moment yes and time because i have a theory even after like knowing all this yes okay well i guess i'm gonna have to wait another week to hear what that freaking theory is and others and the suspect pool (laughs) because it gets big oh okay (laughs) love you i don't know Well, if you want to stay up to date, um, you can follow us on Facebook at Dark Channel Podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gmail is podcast yes. dark channel at Gmail. <laughs> I so I was so pissed. I'm literally gonna write them down and just like I know. now that I so I put my um my desk in my closet like you kind of did. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna put a big sticky of just all of our stuff because I always flip it around somehow and it's so easy to and I don't even know our Instagram or TikTok's like dark channel dark soul or dark soul dark channel just find it it's linked everywhere on our shit just it, go on it's Facebook. linked <laughs> go on Facebook if you don't follow us you're a wiener oh we are also terrible about keeping our our names yeah. straight yeah <laughs> well it's hard when there's so many different like platforms it to is. keep track of but yeah I'm gonna, I just moved this up here yesterday on my lunch break. So I'm, I know well, it's pretty new. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna deck it out like podcast, you know, now that I have a set place for it. Well, good. Because our goal is, I don't know if you mentioned this before to get YouTube. Yes. So want YouTube slowly, but surely give us a minute guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We'll I gotta make it a little prettier in here before I, uh, I gotta make my I gotta make and then I'm gonna have to start like getting ready and not I know that's the shitty part (laughs) because I can look like trash right now no one knows but once we start uploading then I'm screwed (laughs) I have a feeling for the first like 10 episodes we're gonna make sure we're pretty and then eventually we're gonna be like we don't fucking care yeah I yeah I would probably agree with that (laughs) I actually give it only like six episodes (laughs) We'll try. We'll try okay. in the beginning anyway. We'll try to be cute. <laughs> we're definitely no Bailey Sarian, but no, we're not. We love her, but oh, I love her so much. <laughs> She's been on my TV like all day, every day lately. She's like, the best. I just love her. Well, I should get eating because I'm getting hangry and I know my husband probably is too. That we cool. Okay. Well, we hope you guys have a good week and had a good Valentine's Day if that's something you celebrate, but you should celebrate love every day any way you wish. Um, yes. And yes, that. we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.